Open Eyes. Open Eyes is the title of this morning's message. And the scripture in Mark 5, 41 says this, I say to you, arise. I say to you, arise. I believe God is rising us up as a church to go and accomplish amazing things that we've never accomplished before because when you know, you will grow. You will arise to the place that God has called you to rise to. And how are we going to do that at TWBC? We're going to do that through what we've been doing all year long. We're going to reach, and reach stands for this. We're going to raise eternal and community hope. We're going to raise eternal and community hope to all those around us. We're going to reach out and touch their lives. God said this in 2 Corinthians Corinthians. Corinthians 10 13 it says but we will celebrate or glory in only with regard to our area of influence that God has assigned to us to reach even you so God has given TWBC a specific area of influence he's told us this year to go ignite nations around the world and we've done it and we're going to continue to do it on mission trips throughout the year he's told us to impact a four-state area and we got messages back last week that people are watching our live stream from Oklahoma pastor Derek Dillon is down in Louisiana preaching last night and this morning and so we're sending people out to the four state areas because we're going to make an impact, but we're going to influence or change the culture of a 20 mile radius. We're going to literally do some things that makes the, the, the area around Sulphur Springs and 20 miles of this campus here become what God said it is. And that's a Matthew 514 city. It doesn't say you are the light of the world and a church on a hill that cannot be hidden. It says you are the light of the world, a city set up on a hill that cannot be hidden and therefore the church must have such a profound effect and impact on the city that the city rises to a place of a different culture than the rest of the world operates and it becomes a bright spot in the area that God has called it to live and exist. And so we're so excited that God's given us this mandate as a church to reach and influence and change culture in this 20 mile radius and we're going to do that by getting to know who we are at TWBC very well. And we've talked about um, the two messages leading up to this point, we talked about our first one, authentic relationships. And in authentic relationships, we, we said this, we want to establish an environment where you divinely connect to the Father. That's the heart of it. We want to establish an environment at TWBC that you divinely connect to the Father. And we care that you more, we care more that you divinely connect than you socially fit. Amen. Because we want to build relationships on our divine connection, not how we socially interact. Amen? And so we want you to be a part of that. And then last week we talked about faith in motion. And with faith in motion, we talked about faith in motion is observant action. And we're looking not to become uh, associated with the tormented demonic or the woman with the issue of blood or even the man with the impossible situation. We're looking to start looking like Jesus. Amen? If you are a Christian and a follower of Christ, it means I want to look like Jesus looks and do the things that Jesus did. And so we're going to jump into that a little bit more today. And we're going to talk about today's message called eyes open, eyes open. And the Bible says, and and the, the term that we use for eyes open is this. We look, observe an action. We look for every available means at every available time to reach every available person through service and giving. We're not shutting our doors to anyone. Amen. We look to reach every available, uh, for every available means, at every available time, to reach every available person through service and giving. And the account of scripture we're using out of Mark chapter 5 today is Mark 5 verses 1 through 20. And this is where Jesus steps off the boat just after calming a storm and walks on the land. And this is where the account picks up in verse 1. It says, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Genesaries. And Jesus stepped out of the boat, and immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. So how many of you know this dude? He's hanging out with dead folks, got an unclean spirit about him, 
Jesus lands on the land, and immediately he meets up with Jesus. And he lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles into pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mounds, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. So those of you who think cutting is just the latest fad of this past generation, it's not the latest fad of this past generation. It's been around since Jesus' time. And if you got an issue with cutting, God wants to set you free of whatever is tormenting you so you don't cut yourself no more. Come on now, that's a good thing. And so he wants to set you free today. And he was always cutting himself with stones. And when Jesus, and when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out in a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to himself, come out of the man, for he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out to the country. Now, now the great herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs and let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen, heard, uh, the herdsmen fled and told, in, told it in the city and in the country, and the people came to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-oppressed man, listen to this, they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion of demons sitting there, clothed, and in his right mind, amen, but then they were afraid. And those who had seen, seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And he was getting into the boat, and the man who had been possessed by the demons begged him that he might be with him. But he did not permit him, but said to him, Go to your home and your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And they went away and began to, to, to proclaim in the, de, the, the de, Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. And so as we jump into this message, this week's message and next week's message are going to kind of piggyback off one another. And this whole series of DNA is going to build off one another. And so as we jump into this, this is, I guess, I would say part one uh, of this story on Jesus when he completely transforms the tormented demonic guy as he did. And so the opportunity that we must be dealing with as the believers is this. It's not just what you do in the house, but who you will notice on the way to the house. I said that point last week. You got to look for that opportunity. And that's when Jesus was going down the street and he was going to Jairus' house and the woman with the issue of blood touched him. It wasn't what he was going to do in the house. It's who would he notice on the way to the house and who would he touch on the way. And I said, faith is observant action. Observant action is learning to live with your eyes open. It's learning to live with your eyes open, and that's literally using this. It is using every available means that you have, every available time that you can, to reach every available person that you can through service as serving them and giving. So it's every available means. That means everything that you have. Every available time. That means every time you have it. To every available person. Amen. If you think that we exclude people at our church, you're absolutely wrong. Amen. That's good. 
because we're looking for every available means to reach every available person, every available time that we possibly can through service and giving, and we want to see God move and touch the people in our area. So we're looking for those opportunities. But as we read the account of the tormented demonic, we can see that there were some things leading up to the first part of Mark chapter 5, Mark 5 verse 1, and Jesus starts out back in Mark chapter 4, with the parable, and I want to touch base on that right quick. It's the parable of seed, seed growing. And Jesus said this in Mark 4, 26, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and he rises day and night and the seed sprouts and grows, but he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it to the sickle because the harvest has Come, and I want to encourage some of you in that. Some of you think you've been so far along in your Christian walk, and I really want to tell you that we're really um, in this part. You, you're, you're just the blade sprouting to begin to do all that God's called it to do. Yeah. And uh, that, that's encouraging to me. That means God's got a lot more stuff he wants to accomplish through Joel T. Meyer. That's not an insult. A lot of people, when they read this, they like to think, oh, I'm the fully mature Christian. I'm not there yet. I'm not the fully matured Christian yet. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You can tell by some of the things I say in a message. I have not fully arrived yet, and I'm so excited about that. That means there's more that God has for me than I've experienced, and I'm telling you the absolute truth in this. TWBC is nowhere close to the maturing place where we think we are. We're literally just now beginning to sprout and begin to burst forth. Amen. You're a part of the beginning spurt forth, the beginning of the sprouting that's going to happen, the beginning that God wants to say, I need you coming and getting planted here because what I got plans to do in this 20-mile radius in a four-state area and around the world is amazing. And I'm, God says, I'm working on it day and night. I love that. And we don't know how it's all going to happen. We don't know how it's all going to show up. We don't know how it's all going to get here. We don't know who all he's going to use. But I know this. We're just now breaking the ground and sprouting forth, and we're just the leaf bursting forth and so guys we got some more growing to do we're the leaf bursting forth and 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 the bible says this in in, the, in this parable it says the seed sprouts and grows and he knows how the earth produces it by itself first the blade we're just now a blade sticking up then it says the ear then it says the full grain in the ear Woo, we got some growing to do praise god Thank you, Jesus. And as he's talking to this, he's talking literally to TWBC, but he's talking to his disciples that are right there with him. Right. See, this is at the beginning of his ministry. The disciples don't know they're about to get into a boat and come into a storm, that Jesus is going to have to calm the storm, then get out of a boat and be met by a demonic, then get back in a boat and cross the same sea that he just calmed the storm on, to get out of a boat, to heal a woman with the issue of blood and raise a dead girl. See, the disciples don't know any of this is about to happen. So Jesus is telling them, disciples, you're fixing to start growing day and night to accomplish all that God's going to accomplish. Then he goes on to another parable, and he shows what it's going to look like. And he said, with what can compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like the grain of a mustard seed, which when it is sown into the ground, it is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them. And so God's telling them as the disciples, listen, there's only 12 of you guys, but the 12 of you are going to be like a mustard seed that's planted, and you don't know how it's going to happen, but you 12 are going to change the world. Yeah. 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 
You 12 are gonna change the world. 18 years ago when we started TWBC, there were three of us. We didn't know how we were gonna change the world, but bless God's heart and he loved us and trusted us and, and he believed in us enough that we said we're gonna step out by faith with three of us and we're gonna begin to figure out how we change the world. And listen, what God has planned for TWBC is this. It's not just growing up for a harvest. It's producing mighty branches that reach out and accomplish things for the kingdom of God. He was telling TWBC the same thing that he was telling the disciples. And so he told them this, and he gave them this great encouraging thing. You're going to see the blade, and then the ear, then the full kernel in the ear, then the harvest is going to come. Woo, we celebrate it. Hey, you're like the smallest mustard seed that there is. Nobody has faith in you. Nobody believes in you. But you're going to grow because you've been with Jesus. And when you grow because you've been with Jesus, you're going to produce branches. They're going to stretch out, and they're going to accomplish great and mighty things. And the next lesson Jesus says is get into the boat, go to the other side. And Jesus said, get into the boat and go to the other side. And he was going to go up and pray. So they were going to the other side. And in the midst of going to the other side, a storm hits. See, a lot of times your growth is not on the sunny days. It's in the storm. A lot of times your growth isn't going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. It's going to happen because you're going to grow in the midst of the trial, not in the midst of the vacation. And so many people want a Christian vacation, but you don't grow in those places. I like to say it like this. Everybody wants a mountaintop experience. What do you see when you look at the top of a mountain? Nothing. There is no growth on top of the mountain. All the growth happens in the valley. But everybody says, I want to be on top of the mountain. You should want to be in a place of growth. And so Jesus calms the storm. And then as soon as he's on the boat with them, they're immediately on the other side. Then this is where the story picks up in Mark chapter number five. As he picks up in Mark five, they step off of the boat onto the land. And immediately the Bible says they're met by this crazy dude who's living with dead people. And he stinks and he doesn't have much clothes on at all. And he rips chains apart. He breaks shackles to pieces and he runs and falls at the feet of Jesus. Sounds like ministry. (laughs) It doesn't quit. It never stops. Do you remember the first parable? Day and night it grows in the earth, produces its fruit, yet you don't even know how it does it. Day and night God has got you in a training program that he's trying to bring you to someplace and get you to someplace. And as they get to the other side of the boat, Jesus always walked like this. He walked with his eyes open. He didn't try to avoid the demonic man. He didn't try to run away from the demonic man. He walked with his eyes open and he met him there. And Jesus always walked with his eyes open so much so Not just to set free the tormented one, not just to set free the woman with the issue of blood, not just to reach the man with the impossible situation, but also for the ones who are aspiring to be like him. See, a lot of these times we read these stories, we read Jesus got off the boat, and we think the disciples still stayed on the boat. No, Jesus got off the boat, the disciples got off the boat. Jesus was not only looking with eyes open to reach the demonic man, he was also saying, what can I teach the disciples in this process? See, it's not just about us going and reaching the lost, it's about equipping you. And some of you wonder why you're going through what you've been going through, and God's saying it's because I'm not through with you. And so in that, he, we gotta remember this, A Christian who wants to follow Jesus does not just want to know what Jesus knows. They want to be who their rabbi is. 
Discipleship is all about this. It's not knowing what a teacher knows. It's being who your rabbi is. And the disciples knew this. They were raised in Jewish culture. They know if they are a disciple of Jesus Christ, it is expected of them after their rabbi leaves or goes off to another school and raises more rabbis that they should look so much like the one who trained them that the people who come in contact with them will say, oh, you are of that discipleship program, basically. That you look so much like Jesus, I can connect you with your rabbi. We as the body of Christ should be beginning to look so much like Jesus that they should connect us to Jesus out in the world. Amen. When you go to a conference that's for your work, you should look so much like Jesus that people recognize that you've been with Jesus. When you're at the restaurant after church today, you should look so much like Jesus that people recognize you just came from church. But you know what waiters and waitresses say all the time? The day they hate the most is Sunday after church. Because church people are the most non-generous, complaining, entitled people that they ever come in contact with. We must change who we begin to look like. And so Jesus in this, he was looking with eyes open, not just to minister to the demonic, not just to minister to the woman with the issue, not just to reach Jairus' daughter, but he was also looking at his disciples saying, I've got to create something so amazing out of them that when I've gone, they turn the world right side up because the world's been upside down. And so that's what he was looking to do. The opportunity was so great and the opportunity is so awesome. And listen to this, after you have your moment whether you're the one getting delivered or set free or changed, God is not forgetting about you. God literally says, after you have your moment where we connect you with the Father, it's not time to slow, it's time to grow. It's time to grow. So after you have your moment, God puts you on a growth track. He puts you in a training course. He brings you into the ways of discipleship, as the Bible would call it. You are a seed who he is not going to let stay where it's at. And listen, the Bible says he sleeps and he rises day and night and the seed sprouts and grows and he knows not how. I take great comfort in this that God is even working on me when I sleep at night. See, God's more working on me than I'm working on me. And that doesn't mean I can leave it all in his hands. He's saying, Joel, you got to catch up to where I'm at. You're slowing down my progress. Come on. So Joel, because you're slowing down my progress, I got to work at night because you won't obey me during the day. Right? I told you last week I don't like interruptions. Right? I I gave you my my repentance speech. Man, I got a schedule. It's set for the day. I got things I got to accomplish. I got kingdoms, the kingdom of God to expand. I got got to see God do some things in people's lives. I got to meet with ministers. I got to meet with with other people. And for an interruption to happen. Ah! Man, you just threw off God's plan, right? Right? Or am I so busy that God has to work on me in my sleep because I won't let him operate in me during the day? I'm just telling you what, what ministers go through especially ministers like me who are driven, who are passionate, who, 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 who know they've heard from God, who are going. Sometimes we get in our own way though, right? And God has to work on Joel when he sleeps, and he's so grateful to not wake me up when he does it. See, some of y'all, and I'm going to go way off track. Some of y'all are like, oh, God woke me up with this amazing dream. Not me. God says, I can't wake him up or he's going to get in the way of the dream. <laughs> right? I'm going to let that boy sleep. I'm going to have to let him stay. Just, just rest. <laughs> just rest. 
right? So he works on me in my sleep. But I know that he's working on me in my sleep because immediately when I wake up, some of you are on my mind and I immediately start praying for you and I know God's working on me when I sleep because when I wake up, my spirit is saying, it's time to go to work, it's time to pray, it's time to lift up this person, it's time to call this person into the kingdom of God, it's time to start declaring this thing over your life, it's time to start declaring this about TWBC and where we're at. So he's working on me when I sleep even though I don't know what he's doing when I'm sleeping. And I'm so excited that God will not leave me alone. Some of y'all, you get irritated when God will, God just leave me alone. He doesn't want to leave you alone. He loves you. He's crazy about you. Come on now. I don't want him to leave me alone. And so in this, he's even, he's growing you even in your sleep. And some of us, we get to this point, and I get to this point in ministry sometimes, and I realize when I'm at this point, it's been Joel doing too much and now the spirit of God doing it through me. Okay? It's been Joel trying to do too much, accomplish too much, and do stuff rather than letting the Spirit of God work through me and me finding a place of rest. And I need you to understand this. Don't believe this lie. Do not believe this lie. And some of you believed it all your life and you've accepted what you're going through in life because of it. Don't believe this lie. God will not put more on you than you can handle. That has never been a bigger lie in the Western culture Christianity than I've ever seen in my life. When it gets too hard, oh, you know God, he's not going to put more on you than you can handle. Are you kidding me? There's always more on me than I can handle. That's why I need him. <laughs> right? And so don't believe that lie. God is not going to put more on you than you can handle. Listen to the disciples. They had parable one. He's going to tell you you're going to grow and you're going to flourish. Parable two, you're going to have big branches. Par or the storm hits then. The demonic hits then. The woman with the issue of blood hits then. Then Jairus was raised, raised his daughter from the dead. Don't believe that lie that God's not going to put more on you than you can handle. Now I'm going to clarify this verse. It is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you that is common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God will deliver you from temptation, not from discipleship. Listen to this. God will deliver you from temptation. Every single time you're being tempted, he will provide a way of delivery. He's going to provide a way out because he doesn't want you falling into sin. He will not, he will not deliver you from discipleship. He's called you into discipleship. And if there's more on your life than you think you can handle, good. Now you're finally depending on God, not depending on you. If there's more on your life than you think you can handle, you're finally at the place where you say, I need God. I trust God in my life. And my question is this, why do you want God to leave you alone? Listen, as a follower of Christ, why do you want God to leave you alone? Why do you want the discipleship to not, to, to not work? Why do you want a break from your training? Listen, I want God in, in, in East Texas term, I want him all up in my business. Come on, I want God, listen to this, I want God all up in my business. I want him in my life. I can't live a day without him in my life. And the day I say, God, give me a break from you, are you kidding me? I got born again so I could be with you. I didn't get born again to take a break from you. And he's such a good, good father that even when I want a break, he's not going to let up on me. He's not going to take it easy on me. He's got a destiny, a plan, and a purpose for me, and he's going to do everything he can to get me to it. Yeah. Yes. Come on. Yes. 
And so Joel is living his life with eyes open. I'm looking for every available means in every available way to reach every available person through service and through giving. And we want to reach out and we want to touch people at an unprecedented rate because when we touch them, we know they're going to connect with the Father vertically. We can then connect with them horizontally like the picture of the cross. We can have faith that's observant action and we can give them their moment whether they're delivered or set free or healed or raised from the dead. They have that moment that they don't just remain in a moment because the moment will become history. But in that moment they start a movement of God that they begin to live with their eyes open and they say don't leave me alone any longer see some people get mad when they miss church and I call them I ain't gonna leave you alone I'm not gonna let off of you I see a destiny in you and I'm not gonna let you squander your destiny because you have plans to get away from God I'm not gonna let that happen I love you too much to not be involved in your life I love you too much to, to, to not pour into you and give you uh, what, what God is telling me to give you. I love you too much, and so I'm going to be all up in your business. Yeah. I'm not going to be ugly. Remember last week I said there's a big difference between being jerk and being Jesus, yeah. right? So I'm not going to be ugly. I'm going to be encouraging. I'm going to be uplifting. I'm going to say, hey, why don't, why don't we think about this little Facebook post that we just posted? Is that building up anybody around you? And if you use Facebook for anything other than encouragement, get off it. Just get off it. Listen, it's time to be encouragers. It's time to be the bright light. It's time to be the city on a hill that can't be hidden. And if we're going to be that, to be that, to become that, God's not going to leave us alone. And if you want him to leave you alone, listen, if you want him to leave you alone, you're at the wrong church. You are at the wrong church if you want him to leave you alone. And I'm not praying that you leave. I'm praying that you get revival. I'm praying that God quickens something in your heart and he begins to revive in you. That when you're driving down the road in whatever work vehicle that you're in, the spirit of God's just churning in you. Listen, people always say, Joel, why don't you just read before you go to bed? Are you kidding me? If I start reading before I go to bed, I get so amped up and wired because the Spirit of God starts churning on the inside of me. And I'm like, ooh, I got a message series coming out of this. There's a sermon I can preach out of this. The the power of God's moving in this. Oh, God, and I start repenting. And then it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and I still got to get up. (laughs) So I get up in the morning and do my reading and study, and it's kickstart my day. Let God be awesome in my life. God is not training you for comfort. He's training you for the impossible. Listen, God, when you want him all up in your business, all up in your life, God is not training you for comfort. He is training you for the impossible. I want God to have me in training for the impossible. I love it. I've always loved watching the, the training of the Navy SEALs. They're in training for the impossible. Listen, I understand to be a Navy SEAL, you've got to have special uh, physical abilities and things like that. But in the Bible, in the spiritual realm, God says he's no respecter of persons. If you feel you're lacking in something to become all that you're calling to become, ask him. He said, I'll give it to you, and I'll give it to you liberally. And he says specifically with wisdom, I'll do it. But with his wisdom, you'll understand how to get you to where you're supposed to be so you have all things that all you need at all times so you'll abound into every good work. Now listen, 
I love watching their training, but somehow we've said, wow, those are such amazing people. But in the spirit realm, God says, no, you're that amazing person. Yeah. You're that one that I need. You're that one that I want to press forward. So God is not training you for comfort. If you're wondering why you get a word from God and you get another word from God, then you encounter a demonic person, and then you encounter a person that's sick all the time, and then you encounter somebody who said, pray for my so-and-so person, they're dying. Well, God's got you in training for the impossible. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's celebrate as a church. He's calling on us to do something amazing. Yeah. I love this life. I absolutely love it. And I pray that you would fall in love with eyes being open to reach out, to transform, to see God do something amazing through you. God's got you in training for comfort, not for comfort. He's got you in training for the impossible. This does not mean he doesn't care. In fact, it means just the opposite. He cares so much about you, he refuses to let you be normal. God loves Joel T. Myers so much, he refuses to let me be normal. And if you know me, you know I'm anything but normal. And I'm okay with being anything but normal because normal people get normal results. I've never wanted normal results in all my life. So I'm going to step into this thing with eyes open. That Jesus, I know he's looking with eyes open to reach the demonic. I know he's looking with eyes open to reach the woman with the issue of blood. I know he was looking with eyes open to reach um, uh, Jay Iris and raise his daughter from the dead. But more than that, he was looking with eyes open of how what he was about to bring his disciples through by giving them the parable or a word from him, the parable and another word from him, and then the storm, and then the de- then the demonic, and then the woman, and, and then the man with the, the impossible situation. He said, I'm not preparing them for their comfort. I'm preparing them for what life is going to be like when I'm not with them. Because I'm fixing to give them a greater power than they've ever experienced called the Holy Spirit. That will lead them and guide them into all truth and transform their life. So eyes open as we look for every available means at every available time to reach every available person through service and giving. This is my favorite part. Even myself. Some of you need to look at yourself this morning because you think God is ready to touch everyone else and you're ready for him to touch everyone else and you're ready for him to touch everyone else even through you, but maybe you're the one he's wanting to touch. Maybe you're the one he's wanting to touch. Maybe you're the one he's wanting to reach out to and say, I know you want to go, I know you want to touch, I know you want to do, but right now you need the touch. And the hardest thing Joel T. Myers ever had to do in his life is quit being rebellious and say, no, God, you, you, got, you, you got so many other people to worry about. I can handle this. Yeah. <laughs> Therein lies the problem. I can handle it. Because by me saying I can handle it is saying, God, you're big enough to handle everything in the world except what I'm going through. Yeah. So your eyes open are to look for every available means at every available time to reach every available person through service and giving. And some of you need to give something to yourself this morning. Some of you need to serve at the table of God and get ministered to yourself this morning. And let God change your life because some of you, it's time to open our eyes. Some of us, you need to see what God, what seeds God is putting in you. Some of you, you need to see what growing you're going through. Some of you, you need to look at what storm you're in. Some of you, what per- tormented person are you needing to set free? Or do you need to be set free? What person with an issue 
do you need to set free? What person in an impossible situation needs to be touched by a nothing is impossible God? This is for you. As the worship team comes and as the ministers come and prepare for ministry, even myself, what is God telling you to do with what you've heard today? Some of you don't want God all up in your business. That's an issue you need to settle with the Father. Some of you are sitting there thinking, but if, if God knows what I've done, God knows what you've done. That's why he sent his son 2,000 years ago to pay for what you were about to do when you were born. He knows what you've done. Listen, the Bible says Jesus was slain before the foundations of the earth were ever laid. That means he already made the commitment to give his son for you before the foundations of the earth were ever laid, before sin ever even entered into this realm called earth that we live in. Jesus Christ was already crucified for you. So he already knew what was happening. He already knew what was coming. He already knew what was coming down the line. And you know what he said? I love them anyway. And you know what? The hardest thing Joel T. Myers ever had to do was realize that the father loves me as much as he loves Corey. That the father loves me as much as he does uh, Elizabeth. That the father loves me as much as he does Andy and Linda. That the father loves me. And sometimes, if I'll open my eyes, I need to look at myself and say, what's tormenting me that I need to be set free from? What issue do I have that I've encountered, a door that I've opened that I need to shut, that I need to begin to be delivered of? What impossible situation am I facing? And if I can handle it all on my own, I really don't need God in the first place. So you know how I've changed my prayer? God put me in places where I have to depend on you. <laughs> I don't advise praying that haphazardly, by the way. I don't, it's not a prayer. I just say, oh, just pray this. It'll make your life great. <laughs> It'll make your life anything but normal. And I want to be anything but normal. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning.